none of us are here by happenstance. You are here because God has already been working on you. Before you ever thought about it this morning, maybe you're trying to think of uh, a reason not to come. You know, you want to go do something else today. Or you say, gosh, you know, five more minutes, five more minutes. I know five more minutes to sleep. And, and um, you know, it is 11. <laughs> so so it's, a, it's a long time. But, um, you know, some of you were dragged here, all this stuff. But you, there was, the truth is God has been calling you to worship all week long. And he has been working on you and talking with you and prompting you, and you just haven't even been aware of it. Last week, um, I made this statement, what you believe shapes you and forms your personality. And so what you believe, what your belief system is, what I stand on is true, and what I hold is, is valuable, and how I go about making my decisions, what I believe shapes me and, and forms my personality. Well, this week I was, I'm, I've been reading this book called In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. Sounds like an awesome book, doesn't it? It is. But there's a quote in it by A.W. Tozer, and it's a little, bit, a little bit lengthy, but listen to what Tozer writes about this, what we believe stuff. He says, What comes into our, our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. He goes on, he says, The history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever risen, risen above its religion, and man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. Worship is pure or base, as the worshiper in, entertains high or low thoughts of God. In other words, you're going to get out of worship what you put in. If you come in thinking highly about God, you're going to get more out of it than if you come in thinking lowly. So your thought process. He writes on, he says, For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. And the most portentous fact about any man is not what he at a given time may say or do, but what he is but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. What you believe God to be like. That's what's so important. We tend, by a secret law of the soul, to move toward our mental image of God. We tend to move toward our image of God. This is true not only of the individual Christian, but of the company of Christians that compose the church. Always the most revealing thing about the church is her idea of God. So what you think about God is actually more important than you really know. What you believe. What you think or what you what you believe, the most important thing is a, that's the most important thing about you because that shapes you. I want to read our text today in its entirety because uh, there is a verse in it that just speaks so loudly it did to me as I was reading it, but I want you to see it all together. Um, I know I usually break things up, so this time our, our tech team's going to love me because I won't stop in the middle of it. So uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with John 6. Uh, we're going to begin in 35, and then we're going to jump immediately to 41 through 51. And uh, here's what it says. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And that's kind of what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? 
How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. Verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. And very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now, as we read this, I want you to be very careful not to get caught up in literalism. This is metaphorical language. It's all um, to be used as, a, as an example. In particular, the eat my flesh, that would be gross. So you have to look at this and say, okay, this is a statement. If you, if you take me in, I will nourish your soul. I will be the nourishment of your bones and your life and your soul. So to consume me or to take that in, that's the metaphor of that. But what I really want you to see that the listeners were not getting is really verse 44. And it says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. Here in the middle of this, this text, it's this keystone of our faith. This thing that is so important that we, that we sometimes miss it. No one can come to me unless the Father draws them. And this statement begs the, this question. Then, then if, if I can't come to God, if I can't come to Jesus, then how, how do any of us come to God? What does, it, what does this drawing of the Father look like? I mean, how does this happen? What, what's going on around here? Well, we Methodists, we Wesleyan Methodists, have a term for this, and it's the doctrine of prevenient grace. And I remember hearing that the first time. It was such an unusual foreign word. It sounded like preventative to me, like this is preventative grace. And you know what it almost is? It is, it is this thing that happens before we realize it, almost like preventative me- medicine or something. But prevenient grace is a collective term for all the ways in which God's grace comes into our lives prior to conversion. It's all the things that God does to draw us to Him before we ever knew. The literal word, uh, it literally means the grace that comes before. The grace that comes before. When you say, well, before what? Before you ever knew. Before you were aware that God even existed. Before you even cared if God existed. Before you knew anything, God was already reaching out to you, wooing you, drawing you to Him so that you would know Him. It's expressed in all kinds of ways. We see it all around us. Before we even know there's a God, we, we, we understand it, expressed in, in laughter and joy. This joy that comes up, we love it. We enjoy the love of God. In a sunrise or a sunset, how many of you have taken a picture and said, isn't God good? You've taken a picture of that sunrise and go, gosh, the glory of God. You see it, it's just broadcast in front of you. The rainbow in a rainstorm, all these things. We hear it in the songs of birds and in the the beauty of a blooming, blooming flower. We see it in animals. We see it in our relationships of love that we have for one another. We think, gosh, they are just the sweetest person. They just love us so much. But even better, 
Even better, before you knew you were a sinner and you even needed grace, God was already providing a way. He was already reaching out to you. Sin is so much more than a ball and chain that just slows our progress in life. Ephesians 2.5 tells us that we are dead in our trespasses and sin. Dead. Therefore, you know, if you're dead, you can't do anything. You cannot help yourself. You cannot even give yourself assistance. Because if we are dead in our trespasses and sins, then we need something to act on our behalf, something to do something for us. And, we, and that's exactly the state we're in. And yet God reaches out for us. This, is, this makes it tough, see? If we're dead in our trespasses and sins, then it is tough to, to uh, respond to this clear call of Scripture that says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Because we can't come. We don't even know what that means. To repent and to be baptized in Acts 2, 38. It's hard to respond when you don't know what you're responding to. To believe in the name of the Lord Jesus and be saved from Acts 16.31. All of these which call us to specific acts of faith and obedience are impossible unless something has been initiated. Spiritually dead people have no capacity to respond to God unless God has initiated the grace toward us first. And that's what provenient grace is. We believe that God has universally acted on our behalf, uh, on, on behalf of Adam's fallen and depraved race. We believe that Christ, as the second Adam, rescues the human race with this act of grace, this grace that comes before. This provenient grace is the extended hand of God to you. Yet, you are given the grace to respond to it. Or not. God has been reaching out to you. You are not here by accident. You are here because God began wooing you long before. Long before today. He started putting people in your lives. Maybe when you came to know Christ, there was something that started in you. Some stirring God reaching out to you. John six forty four. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And this drawing is the provenient grace of God. It has been put on every one of you today. You're not here by accident. You're here because God has something for you right here, right now. He has something for you. You've been drawn to this place because of His Holy Spirit wooing you. You have come to the relationship you have with God because He first loved you and you responded to that love. My question, um, let me get to that in a minute. My question is how are we going to respond to God? You know, I remember when I was in middle school and high school, um, a friend would come over or a friend of a friend would come over and go, hey, so-and-so has a crush on you. And you know what? Up until that time, I probably didn't even know who she was. But at that moment, I went, really? Really? Yes, I know her. She sits behind me in math. She's kind of cute. And she helps me with my tests. You know, I, you know, I'm not serious about that, but 
But when we get this prompting, someone all of a sudden alerts us to something we didn't know. We start paying attention to it. And what I'm doing with you this morning is I'm alerting you to the fact that God has already been working on you to get here right now. I've whispered, he has whispered in your ear, and now I'm making it out loud. I'm saying God has a divine appointment for you today that he wants to grow in your relationship with him, and he is still calling you. He is is still calling you to come closer, to grow deeper, to walk daily, to listen, to respond, to take the next next step, whatever it is. Maybe it's a step of confessioning your faith to Jesus Christ and saying, I want to believe in you completely. Take me. I want to belong to you. Others of you, it's like, what is the next step? I've been following Christ my whole life. What would the next step be? I can't imagine. Well, guess what? He's going, I've been trying to tell you. And I'm reaching out my hand to you. And I'm whispering to you. And today is the day. He says, I want want you to respond. So my question is, will you respond yet again to his calling? Will you reach for God's extended hand to you? As he says, come on. We've got further to go. Perhaps... Provenient grace is summed up best by the famous interruption to a missionary who was lecturing to, uh, in Africa about how the missionaries came and brought the gospel to Africa. And the African believer who was there that interrupted him, he said, he said, the missionaries did not bring the gospel to Africa. God brought the missionaries to Africa. This comment shifts the emphasis to God's prior agency and the great... Missio Dei, the mission of God, whereby God is always the first to act in the great drama of redemption. See, God has been reaching out to you and reaching out to you and reaching out to you through music, through prayer, through fellowship, through, through Bible study, through your, through your reading. God has been reaching out to you and again and again and again. He never stops. It's like we're in this perpetual wooing of Christ And before you ever knew, he was already at work. And this is important for us to understand. A keystone to our faith because if we believe this, and we believe that God has, uh, what we believe in our minds is what we think about God is who we are, we have to realize that God is already working in me and through me and he's drawing me. And if I know this about God, that he's already working to reveal himself and to glorify himself before we ever arrive for worship, He's also at work to do that in my workplace and in my school. And when I go to play, God is already orchestrating interaction with himself. Your divine appointment is there and he waits for you. And he's drawing you. And he said, are you hearing me? Are you seeing me? Are you feeling me in your heart of hearts? Do you know that I have something? I have something right here, and I want you to be my voice to that coworker or to that classmate. I want you to be my hands that serve, that reach around and embrace those around you. Are you answering the call to say, Yes, Lord? Yes. One more step, one bit further. I want to challenge you and ask you to open your minds today as well as your hearts, that God is not only with you, He's gone ahead of you. And He's here right now. It's all part of His plan. And so this morning as we wrap this up, as I'm about to pray, I want to ask you to respond. God has been wooing you. He's been calling to you, been reaching out to you. 
Will you reach back? Will you say, God, I want to hear from you. I need you. I want you. I desire you. And more than anything, I want to know that I'm close to you. Where do we go for the next step? And as uh, Scott and Jack make their way back up here, I'm going to ask you to respond. And I'm going to pray in just a minute. And as, as I finish up my prayer, I'm going to invite you to come and make these steps uh, an altar. To come and, and kneel or squat or whatever you need to do. And just and offer up your prayer to God. Say, God, I'm here. I'm listening. I'm here. I know you have this appointment for me. And I want to respond to that. How can I follow you? How can I draw closer to you? And I don't know what your prayer may entail, but I hope you will respond to him. Some of you may want to stay seated and do it there, but I invite you. There's something about coming forward. It's not an embarrassment. It is a time of saying, I want to make a de declarative statement about my faith. That God is more important than anybody else. And I want to hear from him right now. And you know what? He's already waiting for you. Because he's been making the call long before now. So let us pray.